0: John chapter 8, starting from verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below. I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him.
1: Thanks, Hilda, for reading that. Um, let me pray for us as we, as we come to, to hear God's word together. Um, Heavenly Father, you're very good at speaking, and we're often very poor at listening. Uh, The problem is never with your desire to speak to us, but it's always with our own willingness to hear what you say, even for our own good. And so as we've been singing about earlier, we rely on your love for us, and would you help us to listen so that we might find all our needs supplied in and through the Lord Jesus, and we ask it in his name. Amen. i will see what you make of this. Here are some of uh, Hollywood's finest coming up on the screen. Tom Hiddleston, Chris Hemsworth, Ryan Gosling, um, George Clooney. And just for a moment, have a think. There's big Hollywood actors. Have a think. What what do you think they've got in common? Um, Just just see what comes into your head. I'm not going to ask you uh, to shout out, but have a think. Just for a moment. And now let me tell you, the answer I was looking for, see if yours was the same as mine, the answer I'm looking for is, uh, none of them are quite as good looking as me. <laughs> you seeing that? Is that something you were seeing? Sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes, don't you find, sometimes the camera just catches you and you think, oh, it, it almost takes your breath away. Um, I felt like that when I saw this photograph of myself. Can you see that? Or maybe you're, maybe you're someone who's sitting there thinking that's, that's indefensible, that kind of statement. That's incomprehensible, that kind of statement. But look, look leave that one. And let me, let me take you to another picture in your mind, not on the screen. But from the reading we've had, uh, Jesus was up in the temple and it was during the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the things that would happen during that festival is in the temple area, four great lamps would be lit. Huge lamps would be lit. And then during the celebrations, uh, there would be men, uh, worshippers, who would dance with, with flaming torches in their hands. You can imagine that. Um, and then the kind of Levitical musicians would let rip. I don't know what would come close to it. I guess if you could imagine if Songs of Praise with Michael Bubley's live band were doing the New Year's Eve's fireworks, something like that. The light from the temple. The light from the temple area would just, the glow from there, as you looked up, you'd see it all over the city. And if you can imagine that, it's into that kind of experience. That kind of thing going on. This blaze of light. A youngish preacher from Galilee who's been making some waves steps up in front of it all and says, I, I'm the light of the world. And you think to yourself, are you joking? That's incomprehensible. It's indefensible. Are you you saying, with all of these lamps, with all of the light in God's temple, you're the bigger, better, brighter version of all of this? Really? Is that what you're saying? And he is. That's what he's saying. Uh, The words sound lovely, don't don't they? Um, John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. They they trip off the tongue. They're actually staggering when you read them in light of the whole passage, they're scandalous. You understand what jesus is saying he's saying you can only see things in light of who i am he's saying i'm the one who lets you see how things really are what the world's like what you're like and it's a claim that without jesus no one not you not me not anyone else is really saying anything clearly at all now don't mishear that he's not saying that you don't see things um you see things, you see the world, you see your friends, you see your work, you see people falling in love, you see tragedy, you see heartbreak, you see all of those things. It's just that Jesus says unless you see them in relation to him, you're not really seeing them. Somebody falling in love, you've not really seen it. Some kind of tragedy, you've not really seen it unless you see it in relation to him. You don't really know. That's quite a claim, isn't it? That's a scandalous kind of claim. He's saying all you'll do otherwise with life is you'll get a feel for it. And you'll make up for yourself what you think is going on. People do that all the time, don't they? So the person who says, life's all about family. Or the person who says, career's the thing that drives me. Or the person who says, the only thing I want, the only thing I want is that one close relationship. What they're doing is they're all looking at life and saying, this is the way I see it. And Jesus says, no, I am the light of the world. It's an outrageous claim, isn't it? It's the claim to be the ultimate authority about everything and everyone. It's a global claim. It's for the whole world. There's nobody left out of this. I'm the light of the world. And it's It's always going to be more than this, but it's never less than a claim to be God himself. That's what Jesus is saying. And this says, are you seeing it? Because in what follows, nobody seems to be seeing it, and nobody seems to be buying it. What I would have just read for us, John kind of gives us two scenes to look at. There's one with the Pharisees, these religious leaders, in verses 13 to 20. And then following on from that, it kind of expands out to the wider crowd in, in verses 21 to 29. The Pharisees, their response, they kind of, well, they produce a sort of legal tangle. It was there in verse 13. They say to Jesus, look, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And they're saying, look, Jesus, we've got a way of judging you, and according to that, your claims are indefensible. We don't need to listen. And when it comes to the crowd in verse 21, Jesus tells them he'll be going away soon, and where he goes, they won't be able to follow. He's, he's talking about his death, but they don't get that, and in verse 22, they're all bewildered talking amongst themselves, and they're saying, will he, will he kill himself? Is that that why he says, where I go, you can't come? By the time we get down to verse 25, they're saying, look, who even are you? And you understand what these guys are saying. They're saying, look, Jesus, we've got a way of judging you. And you're just incomprehensible. We don't need to listen to you. And it's worth remembering at this point, if you're, if you're visiting with us uh, this morning, we've been working our way through John's gospel. We've been reading all the things that come up to this point. It's worth remembering the things Jesus is saying, these claims, they've not just come out of the blue. It's not like we've landed in chapter 8 and then from nowhere he said this. No, all the things he's saying, verse 25, Jesus reminds them are just what I've been telling you from the beginning. It's what he said all the way. He's made no secret of this. This is what he's always been saying about himself. Now, you get your head around this discussion. And I think we're being confronted with an interesting question. Uh, let, me, let me try and explain. A, a few weeks back, I got chatting with a young man who started attending our evening service. He told me a bit about himself. He's a medical student. He, he would say, he told me straight away, he, he's not a Christian. He, he doesn't believe in God. But he'd made good friends during his time at university who, as he put it, believed in Jesus. That's what he said. I've, I had some friends who believed in Jesus. They're always inviting me along to things. And I can't quite understand it. I don't quite get it. But I want to try and find out why, and that's, that's why he started coming along. And here's the interesting question. When it comes to Jesus Christ, with the person we read about in John's Gospel and the rest of the Bible, when it comes to Jesus why do some reject his claims as indefensible? Why do some reject his claims as just incomprehensible? But then why do some hear what he says and regard him as the light of the world, as God? Why are those different reactions? Look, even here on a Sunday morning, we're going to be a mix of people, aren't we? this is obviously if you come in here you know this is a christian church there are many people here who believe that jesus is god but there will be others who who just don't see it maybe you're someone who's who's grown up in in a christian home been taken along to church and you're here and you kind of know what people believe but you you're not quite got it yourself yet maybe you you've come along you're visiting you're intrigued and you're finding things out you're not trying to be rude or awkward about this when you say you don't believe but You just don't get it. The claims of Jesus seem indefensible or just incomprehensible. You're struggling with it. So why is that? Well, part of the answer is here in these verses and in what Jesus says. Because Jesus wants to show us something about who we are and something about who he is. So here's the first thing, really. Uh, Jesus, the light of the world, he, he shows us something about ourselves. And Jesus is going to say in these verses, look, the reason people don't see him is because we're blind to God in a very particular way. Look, when I claim to be better looking than a Hollywood star, when I say I'm better looking than a Hollywood star, you're right to laugh, aren't you? I mean, you could have paused a little bit longer, you could have hesitated slightly. But you rightly say to me, look, David, when you make claims like that, you're not, you're not living in the real world, are you? You're just not living in the real world. You, you can see in my picture, their pictures. You're not living in the real world. And you can do that because when it comes to making a judgment call on celebrity attractiveness, we're all more or less starting from the same place. We know how things work. We know how to assess this. A reference point is the real world. We all inhabit. I just don't match up. I'm, I'm barely a 9 out of 10 where they're a 10 out of 10. That's where we know where we are. A reference point is the same, isn't it? But what about with God? How can we make a judgment call on Him? If He really is who He says He is, an infinite boundless God who created the entire universe and here we are, tiny people on a tiny planet. How can we make a a judgment call on him? Do we have a reference point from which we can say that claim is indefensible? That claim is incomprehensible? Are we living in the same world, if you like, with God to be able to assess those kind of things? And Jesus says, we're just not. We're not. You see what he says to the crowd in verse 23? Just top of uh, the page there at the left-hand side, he he says this to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And then back over the page, back in verse 15, talking with the, talking with the Pharisees, he says a similar kind of thing. It's the same idea running through this passage. He says to them, you judge by human standards. There's There's big ideas in that, but part of what Jesus means is, look, none of us live in a place where we're capable of comprehending God, of making a judgment call on him, but we think we can. People do it all the time. Jesus says, look, when we write him off, when we make a judgment call on him and write him off, it actually exposes our big problem with God. So how could we know if Jesus is right? how could we know if God's real? Well, I suppose he'd need to show up and do some things that only God could do, wouldn't he? That would be a way. He'd need to speak with such profundity. It would make you think there's something special here. You need to hear words from him that make you think, wow, we've never really heard anyone speak like this before. And then maybe he'd need to do things that were so extraordinary He'd need to do some things that were so extraordinary they were, would at times seem to have to defy science in some way. Things that we couldn't replicate very easily or, or at all. He'd need to do things that the only word for it would be, would have to be a miracle, wouldn't it? You couldn't just explain it away. Actually, the kind of things like what Jesus has been saying and doing. People sometimes say, I've thought this myself. And I have many friends who've talked to me, many friends who aren't Christians, who've said things like this to me. They'd say, Look, I'd believe in God. I really would. I'd believe in God if he just give some kind of sign. If he'd give some, some kind of sign, then I, I would believe in him. But these words here say, what's persuaded you? What has persuaded you? that seeing a sign would change your mind. Because Jesus has done all those kinds of things, and people still say no to him. Now, what this is saying is that if Jesus appeared here and at the front turned water into wine in front of you, healed someone's illness, and then spoke profound words about God, some of us would say, well, it doesn't count. He didn't tell us he was coming, so we couldn't sort of test, run tests on those miracles, so they're not valid. We don't need to listen to him. And others would say, all oh, that jiggery-pokery at the front, wherever jiggery-pokery is, but we'd say, well, that, the stuff he did, that was exciting. We liked that, but I couldn't really be bothered when he got all religious. didn't really understand what he was talking about. We don't need to listen to him. And we'd head home telling ourselves he'd made indefensible claims or used incomprehensible words. And it's then you begin to understand what Jesus says our big problem is for all of us. It's not so much that we can't see God. It's that we won't see. We won't see God. Even if we he were to stand right in front of us, we'd do anything to avoid eye contact with him. Verse 15, when Jesus says, you judge by human standards, what he's saying is the world you live in The world you and I live in has turned away from God. You want to ignore him and do your own thing with your time, with your money, your future plans, your relationships. And whenever God shows up and starts to make eye contact with you, our inbuilt default is always now to make judgments on him on the basis of how can we keep God out of the picture. Whenever God begins to turn the lights on, our default is always to say, we can't see him. He's nowhere. That's a thought, isn't it? See, what, what if that's true? What if what Jesus is saying here is true? Because that would mean, that would mean one of the symptoms of rejecting God would actually be persuading ourselves we're not really doing it. That's a slightly terrifying symptom, isn't it? One of the symptoms of rejecting God would be convincing ourselves we're open-minded people. But God hasn't been convincing. And the word the Bible uses for that kind of living, it, one of the words it uses is sin. It's not, it's not a word people use very commonly now in the proper way. It kind of gets lumped in with kind of naughty things that we do. Eating too much. Talk about that kind of way. The Bible means it's kind of missing the mark in terms of living God's way. Uh, we, We don't want to live it. We'll miss the mark deliberately. We'll go and do our own thing. And that's why Jesus says to this wider crowd in verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. All the way through this conversation, speaking to people who think they can make judgment calls about him, Jesus is saying to them, because of sin because of the way you want to ignore God you won't see who I am and so you won't know who God is and because you live without me you'll also die without me I don't know if you know the name James Brokenshire if you follow politics he's a conservative cabinet minister he he was I think the, the cabinet minister for Northern Ireland minister for Northern Ireland December last year just round about this time, I think he was at home, he, he said I heard in an interview, he coughed into a hanky or a tissue and noticed there was some blood in it. And thought that doesn't look right. Went and got it checked out, discovered eventually after tests and getting all sorts of things checked out, discovered what was wrong was actually life threatening. He had quite a serious operation. Amazingly, five weeks after the operation, he returned to Parliament. I had an interview with him this week where he was asked, Look, were, were you ever tempted to think, I'm too busy? I mean, you're, you're a cabinet minister. He was the minister for Northern Ireland. All the stuff with Brexit, with the, what was it called? The backstop for Brexit, all that kind of stuff going on. Were you ever tempted to think, I'm just too busy. I'll just leave it. It'll be all right. You know the way blokes do, a, a cold will floor us. But if anything else is hanging off, we'll just try and ignore it because it's too awkward to go to the doctors and too inconvenient. And he said, Do you know what? I really was. I was really tempted to ignore it. It was just a little symptom. But I told myself, It doesn't seem right. I need to be sure. And Jesus is saying here, Look, one of the symptoms of what sin does to us, one of the symptoms for our serious problem with God, is that you will struggle to believe Jesus is who he says he is. And when it niggles, when it feels like eye contact is being made and it niggles with you, you'll find it easy to push it aside. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. The symptoms revealing a more serious spiritual problem. Not seeing Jesus means you don't know God. However else you think of yourself, however spiritual you think you are, however close to spiritual things you feel you might be. If you don't see Jesus for who he is, you don't know God at all. You're living without him and you'll die without him and all you'll be left with is the consequences of a sinful life, an eternity without God and any of his comforts and blessings and an eternity that will only be full of his right anger at our sin. That's a hard thing, isn't it, to hear? It's what Jesus says in these verses. You will die in your sin. See, at this point, you can almost understand why some want to say, you know, one of the troubles with Christianity is it's just so negative. It's always down on people. But that would be like saying uh, the doctor that James Brokenshire spoke to who gave him his diagnosis was just down on him, just being Negative. And that would be to misunderstand why Jesus says what he says. Because not only does he show us something about ourselves, he also shows us something about himself. Here's the second and last thing to think about. I don't know if you noticed, verse 27, if you've got that in front of you, the crowd, John tells us who's, who's writing this, the, uh, the crowd didn't understand Jesus was telling them about his father. And so Jesus speaks to them again, in light of that, He's not just having a laugh with him. He's not just saying in any way, oh, you're so slow to get this. No, in light of that, he says what he says next. Verse 28, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. To people who are struggling to get hold of who Jesus is, he says there is something that's going to happen. And it will be the cure so that you will know that I am he. That little phrase he he slips in there, I am am he, is kind of loaded. In the Greek, it just says, then you will know that I am. And in the Greek version of the Old Testament, in various places, God referred to himself as the I am, the self-defining one. It's another way Jesus is beginning to say to these people, do you know who I am? Do you understand what I'm claiming to be? And Jesus is saying there is something that can provide a cure for our spiritual blindness, for the consequences of sin. And he describes it like this. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know. In John's gospel, lifting up the Son of Man is is one of the ways Jesus refers to the kind of death he's going to die on the cross. He's going to be lifted up. And John, in his gospel account of Jesus, he gives an explanation for for why we are the way we are, that we're people who are very far from God, that we live our own way, that we're sinful, and that we face God's judgment, and that even with that, none of us are looking for God. In fact, we're trying as much as we can to pretend He's not there, to pretend His judgment is not real, to tell ourselves we can just live our lives any way we want, and then go off quietly into the night what can be done for people like that? So hell-bent on going away from God. Well, Jesus says, John eight 12, I'm the light of the world. Jesus has come as the light of the world to confront us with God's judgment, even if it feels awkward, and then to comfort us with God's grace. And the place, he says, where we'll see it most clearly is at the cross. So what kind of light does the cross give us? So why do Pete and Katie and the family need to keep the cross in view and all their plans and preparation as they go on into ministry in Ethiopia? Why do we as a church family here in Cambridge need to keep the cross in front of us? Why do you, as you're, you're talking with friends and colleagues in the workplace, need to keep the cross in front of you as you meet lovely people who you're friends with who don't know Jesus? was because it shows us the holiness of God. If we are ever to think the things we do wrong are not really serious, that if there is a God, he'll be our big heavenly mate and everything will be all right, the Bible says you're blind. Look at the cross and see the blazing anger of God poured out on our sin. The cross will show us the holiness of God. But it shows us the grace of God. If we are ever to think the God of the Bible is some mean tyrant, a dictator to be derided and avoided, the Bible says you are blind. Look at the cross and see the one who is himself God and see what he's taken on himself. God's anger at our sin poured out on him for you. So that if you believe in him, you can find forgiveness a new life knowing god so why do we need to hear this look christian if you're someone who comes along here and you you're a christian do you want to keep a clear view of who you are and who god is do you want to walk through your your work and your family life your relationships your friendships all the decisions that you have to make do you want to walk through them seeing clearly knowing the light of the world Well, then you need to look to the Jesus who died on a cross for you. Keep him in view. And if you're someone who's coming along here and you're intrigued by it, but you're not a Christian yet, and you know that, but you want to find out, if you want to discover if all this is real, you see what it says in verse 30? The very last verse that Hilda read out for us. It says this Even as he spoke, Many believed in him. We didn't read it, but if we were to go on to the very next verse, Jesus says this. Is it going to come up on the screen? Um, might do. It says this. To those who had believed in him, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. If you want to know if Jesus really is who he says he is, well, then he says to you, look, keep listening to what he says about the cross be persuaded by him i'm going to pause for a moment to be quiet and then rachel is going to come up and lead us in the final things we're going to do in our service but those words even as he spoke many believed in him i, I don't know all of you it might be that you're here this morning and you are someone who's been intrigued and maybe you think over the past few weeks do you know what i have been convinced I think that's right. I'm someone who's been living ignoring God. And I do see what Jesus is claiming, that he's come and through his death to provide a rescue so I could be forgiven. And I would like that for myself. If you would like that this morning, these words tell us that if you trust Jesus, he'll give that to you. So I'm just gonna say a very short prayer. If you want to, you can echo it in your own head. And you can say this uh, to God yourself. So we're going to do that now. We're going to have a moment of quiet. If this is not a prayer for you, you can have your own thoughts and your own prayers. You don't need to say anything out loud, but I'll I'll say it a line at a time. And if you want to repeat it yourself, uh, you can do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I've heard these words from the Bible. And I think they're true. I am someone who's lived life ignoring God. And I've lived life doing my own thing. But I hear what you've said about being the light of the world. And that you've come to offer me forgiveness through your death on the cross. I believe that and would like it for myself. Please would you forgive me and give me the new life that you're offering. And I ask it in your name. Amen.